Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you before we start to whatever you are listening to this. Just a word of warning, we do this podcast three times a week, but we're not always sure which day it's going to be on. So the only way to keep your finger on the pulse and listen to the latest episode is to subscribe, get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough of that. Let's talk some rugby. I'm Ben James. I'm joined by Matthew Southcombe and Simon Thomas. We're here to reflect on the start of the Wayne Pivak era and what a start it was. I yeah. find it all rather surreal today. I have to be honest. You know, you got so used over 12 years to that camera panning shot where they go over the coaches' boxes and there they went today for the Wales box. We were so used to seeing Gatland, McBride, Howley, um, Sean Edwards. And all of a sudden, there was a new crew there. And uh, it was the kind of moment you absolutely realised, yes, this is the new era. Because you had Pivak, Humphreys, Byron Hayward with their Stephen Jones. And then you had uh, Gatland in the opposing box in his Barbarians kit. So, yeah, you, you realise, yeah, things have changed. And uh, I guess what we were always interested to see is what Wayne's world was going to be like, what the new era was going to be defined. Always difficult to read too much into one match, particularly when it's this kind of Barbarians match. Um, But I thought, and I'll go into more detail in a minute, I'm sure, but I thought from an attacking point of view, I did see a slightly new perspective, a new dimension, and I thought it was quite encouraging. Yeah, it was a, it was it was a fairly emotional day, wasn't it? You know, I mean, this uh, Gatlin's departure has been drawn out really because you had you had his final competitive game, then you had his final home game in Cardiff and the warm ups, and then obviously his final final game uh, against the All Blacks in the World Cup. Um, so the the process has gone on, and now obviously this he's come back to Cardiff, so you've had this as well. Um, so it, it's been like the never ending departure, really, isn't it? But um, now for you know. Like like Simon said, it's it's going to take a little bit of getting used to, I guess, for 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 everyone concerned yeah. to 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 see new people in in the tracksuits and the suits uh, in the Wales coaches box. Um, but like Simon said, you know there are a few encouraging points. You know it's difficult to form any hard opinions after that game because of the nature of it. Um, but th- there are things to to grasp hold of and and things to look at, and um, by and large, pretty uh, pretty positive. I think if you look at it, I mean the initial impression I got was it did just seem to be a bit more width to the way they played. There was quite a bit of edge-to-edge, coast-to-coast. And we're used to with Gatland, under the Gatland way of kind of going one way and then back the other way. But it seemed to be done quite, quite zipped it and it was straight out to the wide channels. And you were seeing a lot of times where you were having forwards um, popping up in those channels. Wainwright and Tipperick were dovetailing at so times much wide freedom, out there. Yeah. Um, another stat that caught my eye was 16 offloads, which is quite a lot for what we've come used to into the Wales team. And um, 36 defenders beaten. That's a lot. You know, it shows an intent. Um, but you can only really play with that kind of width and you know, stretching it quickly, I suppose, if you get quick ball. And I think that was encouraging. Um, obviously, you're probably not against a team which is as well-oiled as some of those you'll come up against. But one of the things we've talked about at the World Cup at times and other times is slow ball and the Wales have struggled with that um, but today there was a lot of quicker ball particularly in the first half and when you've got that kind of ball and we've got half packs like Thomas Williams and Jared Evans used to each other playing with the Blues um, they love that kind of ball and, and you saw those come to the fore um, 
Thomas is a real live wire, particularly, you know, with the tempo he brought to the game, the speed, the two tries really, which came from his quick thinking and quick actions with tap penalties. And as we said before the match, Jared was born to play in a Barbar's yep. game, wasn't he? Because, you know, he is someone who is just naturally, um, his great strength was with ball in hand. And you saw that the first try, little dummy in a break, lovely pass across for um, the try of the tap penalty. And just generally, he asked questions and looked a real threat. And after the difficulties he had in that warm-up game ahead of the World Cup, it was nice to see him, you know, much more like him. What we know he can be. Yeah, I thought I thought Jared ran ran the show, didn't he, for a lot of that first half into the second half. Um, yeah, I the mean, game like, changed a little bit when not just the halfbacks changed, but when Wales made changes. Yeah, I mean, like Simon touched on, you know, it, you know that that island game, I think probably. Um, hit him a, a little bit harder than a lot of people realised. Um, you know the, the very brutal and public but, yeah. public nature. And of also it all. Gatlin in that game, Gatlin was looking for Jared Evans to prove that he could be the control and fly half who can kick. So Jared probably repressed a lot of the facets of his game that you know the run inside of his game. He, he probably repressed him a bit. Today it's a barbarians game. It was probably just a case of just go out there and impress without the pressures. Yeah, there is. Um, I'm not sure really that 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 helps his case greatly because you know you ain't going to get the kind of chances he had today. Um, the next time you pull on a whale shirt, which is probably going to be in the Six Nations. So, yeah. you know, everything that we discuss has got to be in perspective today. Um, this was the, the the last game on a three week tour. The Barbars has taken them from London to Brazil, back to Cardiff, and you know they, they'll have enjoyed those three weeks as well. Um, so they they weren't exactly in the greatest of shapes. We've discussed it wasn't the best Barbarian side. However, I think. Thomas Williams and Jared Evans were two of Wales' standout players, clearly benefiting from playing with each other week in, week out. Um, and like you said, you know, the way Jared moved to set up that first try uh, for Josh Adams, which, which he made hard work of, will have probably given him confidence and he grew into the game from there. He did make hard work of it, but it was also conversely a great finish, wasn't it? It, it was like a. It was like it was an oxymoron because. I'm not, I'm not I mean, going to call that a great finish. In the tackle, I mean. Getting it well, down getting it down in that tackle, I thought he, it was a great finish. He saved himself. But he, yeah, he, he saved himself. Because I think the, probably the inside pass was on. It was a nice in and then out. And he did finish it well in the end. But I think, you know, he probably. I think he, as he's coming back, he said, you know, I should have given that. Yeah. And, you know, he's. His try scoring record is such that you don't blame him for going for it himself. He's a he's a predator. Yep. The boy really is. I mean, they won't they won't count on the on his official records list, but that's now nine tries in eight games for Wales, isn't it? Which is astounding. And, um, equal tonight with uh, Mr. Ken Owens on two tries. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I always remember like when uh, I think was it was it in the game in the summer where George uh, George North got it off his arms in the air, robbed. <laughs> and it was interesting. Just before he scored his first try today, he thought he was in, and then Rory Best just managed to twist him so he went into touch. Ken misses out again. Rory Best takes the line out. Hooker to hooker, lovely present on his farewell, straight into uh, Ken's pocket, over through the line out, and it was a try. And uh, but in fairness, to, you know, to Rory Best on his final, what well, could well be his final game of, of rugby for his retirement. You know, he wasn't going to let it sour it. And I thought a lovely moment when Ken Owen scored his second try out in the wide. The first person to go and congratulate him and give him a hug was Rory Best, and that speaks volumes to the guy. And I think in fairness, that's because he pushed him over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he pushed him over in the try. It was score. just a really nice moment, you know. And I guess it's what these kind of games 
games were about and um, it was like it was quite funny I must admit you know the, the Rory's final act on the rugby field was getting a telling off from Nigel Owens for cumulative indiscretions by his team finished that then off he went to a standing ovation so but yeah his family was there and it was a lovely occasion for him great occasion for, for Warren Gatlin as well and I guess most of the boxes were ticked really yeah um, it's funny talk, talk about Ken Owens two tries um, and yet He'll, he's frustrated that he didn't get man of the match because someone else did and probably the, the last person you'd expect to get man of the match in a 43-33 win Wales v Barbarians win Jones but he was brilliant yeah well you can't I, I haven't checked the stats but there can't have been too many loose heads getting man of the match in Barbarians fixtures down the years um, it's not a game for the for the blokes in the type 5 is it but no he was fantastic and the the way that he came onto that ball from Thomas um, yeah from Thomas <laughs> to, to um, feed Josh Adams he was absolutely coming on at pace mm. and pinpoint pass to Josh Adams brilliant and um you know he, the 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 way he's developed in the last twelve months to to where he is now is incredible, and you know he seems to be going from strength to strength, and um, and good on him, and you know it's great for Wayne Pivak, you know a player he knows well, someone he can trust, and you know like Rob, you know all that's going to do now is bring Rob Evans on as well because he's going to have to prove yep. points, and Reese Carey, Nicky Smith, I mean. It's all good for competition and for for the future of of the Welsh loose set. Yeah, while you were away at the World Cup, I sort of did a bit of like background information on him, but for a yeah, future, great piece, great piece, and talked to people, um, some great characters down Landovery Way about him, and you realised, you know, just how long he trod the boards for. A long yeah. while, you know. This wasn't, you know, Aaron Wainwright's been almost a kind of overnight sensation, hasn't he? Yeah. Wynne Jones has been a sort of decade long in the making <laughs> sensation. But those two would probably be the most improved Welsh players of the last year because I think Josh Adams came on maybe last year. But those have been the two real breakthrough players. And, you know, we talked about during the World Cup how important he was in terms of giving some degree of stability in the scrum. And we saw that. And perhaps people were thinking, you know, yeah, he's a kind of, you know, a workman like player. But you saw another side to him today yeah. he's very good over the breakdown as well but you know he pounded upfield to take that ball and hey, it's yeah. great and we do have strength there now yep. we do have strength there I mean the tight head that's that's a slightly different issue and um, I thought Dylan Lewis was great in the loose today a lot of good work there he is such, you know, that kind of game is important for him and that's interesting to see to me what happens now because Thomas Francis is going to miss the Six Nations. Um, who's going to be the other tighter there? I mean, I wonder whether they might send the call out to Will Griff, John and Sales. I've been watching him closely over the last couple of times I've seen him. Yeah. Such a strong scrimmage and I think that might be a nice balance with Dylan because Dylan's a great around the loose and he's improving consistently as a scrimmager. Um, just a question of who's going to be the other person there because um, Samson Lee has kind of slipped a little bit down the pecking order although he's back in this squad. So I mean, I just think there's lots of interesting things they're looking at because it's not long to the first Six Nations game you know, it no, comes no. around very very quickly you've got an issue now at scrum half because you know, the man who was the, the nine through the World Cup now has been has had the gauntlet laid down to him by Thomas Williams Dan Biggers an excellent form for Northampton but what happens especially as it's Italy first up do you go more experimental against Italy I think there's some interesting decisions to be made yeah it'll yeah, be interesting yeah. um one final point on Win Jones. The only concern is that um, if he keeps up this good form, well, the best forward at the Scarlets every week gets given a, a free meat hamper from Castle Howarth. So if he carries on with this form, he'll be piling on the pounds. Well, yeah, but he'd have to be a cannibal because his nickname Sausage should be eaten himself, <laughs> wouldn't he? <No. laughs> 
sure that'll have to be carefully managed. Um, Pete, you, you touched on we touched on Six Nations squad selection there, and uh, Pivak talked about it a bit in his press conference. Um, he said that this match will go into the books, and they'll assess that, and then they'll assess the, the the games in the next few weeks. I know that he's been around, always been looking at all the Premiership clubs yeah. in England. Um, there's a few players that he he likes. Uh, Yoan Lloyd's one of them, but I think he he's of the opinion that's going to be too soon for him. I think he's under twenties this season. Yeah, exactly. Realistically, but yeah, you mentioned Roberts from Sale. That, that's a very good shout, isn't it, for selection? Well, Griff John, yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, I, there so were some other mind. interesting ones there today. You know, um, again, we went back to the era of Aaron Shingler being the main line out target, and you forget, like, the, you know, it, I, he wasn't probably, I didn't know you, you were at the book, he probably wasn't on the form that we'd seen before his injury. But, you know, I thought he was very athletic today, good in the line out. It's such an important thing. And Adam Beard made, was the top tackler today, 14 tackles, but a big shift in. So come the um, Six Nations, you know, Alan Wynne Jones realistic is going to come in. Who's going to be partnering him? Is it going to be Beard or Ball, Ball at a great World Cup? The back row, you've got six or seven people you can choose from there. Maybe Tulipi Felato will be back. We Our fingers are crossed in the next week or so he yeah. might return. Uh, Ollie Griffiths came on today, made an impact. It, there's some... And he hasn't got another game now, has he? That's no. it. You know, he's got to... He's got to where he is now he's got to choose where he is and it's uh, some big selection decisions to make I think Shingler managed to just get out in the wider channels a bit more than he did in Japan didn't he today yeah I mean in Japan don't forget he was covering second row exactly so he, uh, had, he had to carry up the middle where he's very athletic but he's not physical and of course you've got Moriarty to come back into the equation you know so yeah, we, we go back to that whole thing about I mean Tipperick was excellent again today Wainwright is so dynamic I think those two are in the team They're, they for me would be in the starting lineup against um, Italy and it's just interesting to see who will be partnering them really, because Josh Navidi will be back playing then as Alice well Alice Jenkins back Alice. over Christmas is that still a target for him I don't know I think he's so I think you've got to be wary about that because it was such a serious uh, injury if he's back before the new year I think that'd be a real bonus I but think Navidi yeah, will be I think January's more I likely mean, than December is what, what I've heard what, if everyone's fit what would be your back row starting against Italy that's a good question um, including Falatau Falatau <laughs> yes, uh, that's, there we go. Right. that's one. Maybe right? just just because I, if he is back fit, I would assume that he's a, he will be playing well for Bath. Um, so I would go Falat out eight, Tipperick at seven, and then one of Wainwright and Moriarty, but probably Wainwright at six. I like the sound of the background. Yeah, I don't think that's as close a decision as, as you thought. I, I think if it's if it's between Wainwright and Moriarty at six, it's Wainwright, but. Um, while you've got an absolute abundance of options there, there are other positions where we aren't quite so strong. Centre in particular, now that we've lost Jonathan Davis for the Six Nations, um, Hadley Parks was strong today, carried well. Um, he's looked more mobile, didn't he? Yeah, he's, 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 had, he's had, he's had, had some time off. He looked like he's uh, you know a lot fitter. Um, obviously, Scott Williams was brought into the squad, then released back. Interesting today, we talked about the fact you were saying that Josh Adams moved into the centre, I think, at one point. Yeah, I was... I wasn't sure quite what was going on because I assumed when Owen Lane came on that was it Owen Lane's going to play outside centre but I noticed that Josh Adams was defending that channel a lot which you know he can play fullback yeah I mean without Jonathan Davis and with Halla Hollow out is for the season as well and there's you know the issue that we had over Scott Williams is um, you know fitness it, it, it is a position where you wonder what they're going to do in the Six Nations because really the, the moment it does seem that the people who started today are pretty much the only centres available aren't they yeah it's a problem um, 
and you know you you don't just breed international players overnight. So moving into the Six Nations, I think you're looking at Parks and Watkin, and then. Yeah. Where do you go for cover? Um, it's a difficult one. Scott Williams, you know, hopefully his his back problems and his injury uh, woes are behind him. Uh, he's back playing for the Ospreys tonight, so hopefully that goes well and he can kick on now over the festive period and and convince the Wales management that he's back to where uh, he used to be because he's a quality operator and proven at this level. So if he can come through in the next three months, and that would be a massive bonus, I think. Um, outside of him. I mean, you're really looking at, you know, untested players then. I mean, you know, Tyler Morgan is still around, but he needs to show uh, some form before he gets thrown back into the conversation, really. Um, And the other one is, I think you've mentioned in the past, Steph Hughes is playing well at the Scarlets, but again, you know, a guy who's never been seen on this stage. Yeah, I don't see Steph really coming into, I think he's a really good regional player. Um, But then uh, the thing is, I look in England and... The one you could do with coming through fit again is Owen Williams. Yeah, um, because I think especially the way Wales are clearly looking to play. You know, they like ballers, don't they? Yeah. Like people who can get the ball out. And, and Pivak likes different players who I can think, slip in I the first receiver. You, I think when my colleague Andy Howell spoke to Ackerman, the Gloucester coach, she said, you know, probably sort of around about December, Christmas time. That's the one I'd love to see come through because it would give something else. Well, not saying he should start, but it would just give a different kind of option there at twelve. I'd agree with that. Um, speaking of players who, who like to come in at first receiver, Johnny McNichol. That's not a bad debut, is it? It was funny. You know, you. I think it was one of the guys on the desk said he looked at him and, you know, we're going to be wary of these things, but could everyone, when you talk about qualified players as being Kiwis, people understandably get upset, you know, but he referred to him as having that Kiwi swagger. I knew what he meant in the sense that just that confidence that comes from, I don't know, a nation that's just rather good at rugby and, uh, he just looked a player to the man born. It says a lot, you know, that um, when Pivak has put him in straight to start at the first opportunity, you know, he's just only just this month qualified in residency, three years after coming, being brought over by Pivak from New Zealand. And just from minute one, I thought he just looked like someone who was home there. One of his very first acts was like to hit a nice line in, in a wide channel and give a pass up the side door to Ken Owens. First time he was tested in a kind of defensive situation, had to turn, picked it up under pressure, stepped the first man, put the gas on, made good ground. And then he was even joining in a, in a driving line out at one point. And then just before halftime, he does what he does as well as most, as, well, there's few players do better in the world, score tries. And yeah, it was, a, it was a, you know, a dot down. The work was done inside him by Thomas Williams and Jared Evans. It was a nice slick passing, but it, his confidence will grow yeah. from that. And then just after the break, you know, he showed that he can create as well. Ball came to him under pressure. Lovely take and give. Slick across his body. Quick pass across his body. And Ken Owens, the recipients in the corner eventually. So, yeah, not a bad start yeah. at all. What was really pleasing about the Ken Owens try is, is if you watch it back, Wales worked their way from... McNichols wing all the way across to Josh Adams and with it they just make three or four phases across the field and he's just always following the play just always looking how can I be involved well, in this phase yeah well, it was the and then it comes back and he gives the pass well it matters now what Pivak said he's someone who's got a huge work rate and is looking for action all the time and we've talked a lot of me over the last few months about um, some wingers being more involved and others Radrada so involved for Fiji and other players like that whereas say George North occasions 
this where he might only touch balls two or three times. Now I don't think Nichols is going to be a two or three touches man, is he? You know, um, or what interests me as well is what's his best position, because I like him at fullback as well. And come the, come the Six Nations, the Owen Lane as a wing option. Liam Williams not going to be there for the start of the Six Nations. What would you do? What would you do in the back three? Well, Wales got a lot of quality, haven't they? Um, you know, they they are. It's another one of the departments of the squad where they are particularly blessed. And um, you know, Liam Williams being out it makes things slightly easier for Pivac, but it's still not entirely easy. Um, you know, again, McNichol was really good today, um, and like you said, it couldn't have gone much better for a te- for a debut. Um, but again, you know, it's not a test match. You know, there's way more space and time out there than there has been. The defences are not, sorry, the Barbarians attack are not looking at individuals to pick on them. Um, we're better attacks and the Six Nations might do that. Um, and I do wonder, um, you know, how, how that process is going to work through in terms of developing at that level. Um, you know, as Simon said, you know, Italy up first is nice. Uh, George North will have been watching that today and, and won't need to have been told that he's going to have to respond, much like Gareth Davis, you know, with the Thomas Williams thing. The gauntlet has very much been laid down now. Um, but so, what what would we be saying in terms of if McNichol comes into that back three against Italy and you play them at full back, does that mean you'd have North and Adams on your wings? I think Adams is the one guaranteed starter. Yep. I thought Halfpenny was good today. He made a lot of ground. He made some nice lines and kicked superbly. So, you know, come Championship Rugby, there's always the thought of should, should Halfpenny be starting? I like Owen Lane as well. I think he's got a lot to offer. But he's probably still seen as raw to a certain extent at international level. So I think I could see the starting back three being North, McNichol and Adams. But... You never know. They might decide they want the more insurance fact. You know, the second kicking option of half penny. Nice option. Well, it's a nice headache to have, isn't it? So, with me, you, you look at you. You look at who your big attacking weapons are. They're all on form, right? And the two biggest attacking weapons in that back three are Adams and North. So, get the best out of George North. Do you tell him I'm not playing you against Italy, or do you say to him, "You are my guy. Go out there against Italy and prove it. I'm backing you, giving you my confidence." I want to see the best from you. So Pivak's got to figure out what the best way is to get Jordan all firing again. And in my opinion is to put your full confidence in him because my opinion is George North on top form and Johnny McNichol on top form, George North's a better player. And he's a more dangerous attacking weapon. Consistency-wise, I would have, having watched a lot of him in the last three years, I'd have McNichol in there. And I'd have Adams in there because Adams delivers every week. Well, you just said you'd have North and Adams. Oh yeah, but, but, but I'm saying it, it depends if you if you decide and you're playing half penny at fullback, and then you have to have two from three. That's the point. But personally, I, in terms of an attacking threat, I would quite like to see North. McNichol and Adams as the back three but I, what I did say was I could understand if they went for the slight I was going to say conservative but you know almost like the more sort of solid option of a half in your full back I think it's, it's, it starts from there doesn't it you, once you decide what you want as your full yeah. back you look at the other options there but you know, if it, if it if it did come down to a choice between Northam and McNichol with with half in at fullback, or later on with Liam Williams at fullback, I'd be tempted to go up McNichol on the basis of what I've seen over the last three years. Same. I I just worry about where that leaves George North, who, as I said, on the bench. 
I think. No, no, I'm <laughs> I, I think that I, I so, still believe that he is Wales' biggest attacking threat if they can get the best out of him. I'd love to see well, that happen. I'd love to see Stephen Jones do that with him. We maybe maybe we haven't we haven't seen Wales get the best out of him as well, as much as they could. I mean, he scored. He's still got a great strike rate, but we probably haven't seen him Wales use him as the sort of weapon that he it's once been a was. Constant thing we've so discussed. maybe maybe that's something that Pivac you know yeah. has got plans for. If you look at the, through the World Cup podcast and the Green Line show, it was a constant thing we discussed. How do you get Andy's big on it? He said he's spoken to Gatlin about it over the years. How do you get George North involved more? Because that, when you've got such a weapon, as you rightly say, huge attacking weapon, you want him on the ball more than three or four times a game. But it's it seems to have been something of a problem on occasions, getting him enough involvement. Now, a new coaching era, new regime, Stephen Jones, the backs coach. Let's see what... How he utilises George. I think that's the most important thing this coaching staff got to get right in the next 18 months. Getting the best out of George North. I, I definitely... I think that could hold the key to a lot of things for them. If they can figure out... Because yeah. the World Cup, right, there was a lot of noise made about North at the World Cup and I thought a lot of it was quite unfair because I was watching him, right, he comes off his wing, he did a lot of defensive work, he was looking for it, right? I'm telling you, I saw it with my own eyes. There were people out there saying he's not doing that, he's staying out wide, he's just, do, you know, lingering in the wide channels. It was nonsense. He was coming off his wing, right? He was, the reason Hadley Park scored that try against Australia is because George North was stood behind the fly-off. So he wasn't there to take the high ball. He was coming off his wing looking for work. The ball was evading him. I think if you switched him back to his other wing, where he started, I think you see him involved a lot more. Yeah, I sometimes feel like he. he I feel like he. He does look to get involved. I. I don't always feel like he's looking in the right places, which maybe is a case of of you know working his way from the right wing when he's naturally a left winger. You sort of. You maybe don't see the field the same way. Well, I mean, the, the other thing um, in the short to medium term is you, we need him back in a rugby field because absolutely. obviously he's had this hamstring problem. Mm. There's no kind of clear indication of when he's going to return. But I think given that new competition you've got in the back three now, we got Hallam Amos there as well. There's a lot of depth there. Yeah. You, you need to see. Yeah. Over, you'd like to see over those Christmas derbies, George yeah. North firing and really putting his hand up. Well, I'm interested. You said there about you think the best way to get George North back firing is you just back him. Mm. But this is just like, more to do with psychological stuff, right? I just but then, think- like, I remember, if you throw your mind back to the 2017 Six Nations, I remember, was it, who was first up? Was it England or... Yeah, we lost to England, didn't we? And George North got a lot of criticism in the press. Gatland backed him. We go to Murrayfield, we lose. North gets a lot more criticism in the press. And then he, came, he, he showed up in the Ireland game. The concern there was... And then maybe that's to do with just the lack of competition Gatlin had in that particular squad. It, 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 that was around the time when people thought there was favourites. It was just how how much you sort of had to bear before, you know, the the, the, the fight back came. So, may, may, I don't know, it feels to me maybe, have you know, McNichol being here and giving him a run. Maybe that's another way to sort of, you know, put the Bunsen burner underneath George North. There is the other context, of course, is that, you know, he has gone through a really difficult period health-wise in terms of the, the concussions he had. And it would that would have been taken a, a long time to really get back to a stage where you'd be completely comfortable taking contact on a regular basis. I thought 
I remember I go back to the World Cup and the try he scored against Georgia right at the start of the tournament. There's no other Welsh player who can score a try like that, I think, where it's the mixture of the combination of power and pace and strength. That's a fantastic finish. You just want to see more of that kind of situation created for him to use those God-given talents that he has. And as I say, it comes back to what we said. Big challenge now for this new coaching regime. What about the Barbas? Then we haven't talked about the Barbas much. What, 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 what do we make of them? Well, well, I mean, <laughs> we've all we've all said it this week, right? It ain't the greatest Barbas side that's ever no. come to the UK. Let's face facts, right? Do you know, Kerwin Bosch has got a boot on him, hasn't he? Yeah, I was impressed with Kerwin Bosch. Jeez, yeah. got a traction engine for foot. I was impressed with him. Um, you know, it was at the end of the day, they played their part in what was an entertaining game of rugby. Um, you know, I did worry about how it might go at certain points, especially when Wales started to pull away and all the rest of it. And But, you know, it, it was a good game. Um, they probably posed Wales more problems than... Um, they anticipated, and I think Wales will be disappointed to have conceded 33 points. Yeah. Um, although that, you know, that can happen in these games. Doesn't take much, does it? Um, no, I thought it was interesting because they conceded five tries, you know, which what they, what they went to do. And we talked an awful lot about while Warren Gatlin's a hard act to follow, so is Sean Edwards. And um, the job has gone to Barry and Hayward. And we were obviously one of the other things we talked about the new attacking shape, the sort of nuances there. We were also interested to see what the defensive shape would be. Now, we were watching, and there were a couple of times, particularly in that first half, they seemed to get quite narrow in defence. There was one mm. cross kick, which yeah. if if it had been accurate rather than just over Colonel Hendricks's head it would have been a walk-in for him so that was a concern We and they actually did score a try uh, in the second half off a cross kick if you look as well at um, the, the fly half you know the South African fly half he, he, Bosch Bosch you he know, he, his try it was a bit of a dog leg disjointed defence by Wales with Ken Owens he went outside Ken Owens it was just the organisation it was just Sa- it Sam, just looked Sam all Davis. wrong didn't it Sam was Davis it Sam Davis shot out of the line Ken oh. Owens stayed on the line because I thought it was huge dog leg and then in the state I thought that was Gareth Davis. No, because I thought that was Gareth sp- spot blitzing like he does out in yeah. midfield. So I think that a lot of that largely it's is a teething it, problem. Yeah, yeah. is a combination of new coach and and a player coming back in who hasn't been there for a while. But yeah. I yeah, I think you're you're on the money side. I think but it looks um, it looks like they're going to keep the basics of the short well the, I mean, the first you know, the, try the, as well the, the 13-2 split was there in the backfield yeah. wasn't it the, 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 you know, the first try as well I mean that was a straightforward pick up by Josh Strauss and they looked to be covered they looked to be a blanket in front of him and it was a bit soft the way he sort of drove through the cover you know through the, through the defensive line to reach the line so there's things to work on Listen, it's really early isn't it it's really early they've had you know how many sessions have they had together defensively not that many um, yeah and you know you know against the barbarians when it gets loosening up these things are going to happen but um, I think come the um, the serious significant Six Nations rugby you'd look for things to be tightened up some degree in defence yeah they'll have, they'll have two weeks ahead of the Six Nations rather than yeah. one tell you what I did like today I enjoyed watching Pete Samu play you know, he's, he's an interesting character <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the look of him I thought you know he was he was everywhere around the pitch and uh, also when, when Shark Brits came on you know I mean I don't know you talk about farewells he's I mean, great oh, fun he is fantastic yeah. the basketball pass he gave for one of the tries and and, uh, yeah, I, 
I just thought he, he's been he's been a, along with Rory Best. He's been another fantastic servant of rugby. One of the very best probably imports that English rugby has seen. Yeah. And it was great to see him have his um, World Cup swan yeah. song. And now another swan song. It was like it was like Shane Williams with all those goodbyes, <laughs> wasn't it? I mean, he got or Warren Gatland. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So, was, uh, speaking of Shane Williams goodbyes, mm. it, we, we mentioned Rory Best, and it was another farewell to him. But I, I was pleased with what a reception he got by the Cardiff crowd like when he went off and you know standing ovation 60,000 yeah. people respected isn't he that very was, respected I thought that was brilliant yeah, yeah it was lovely. nice his family were there and it was a family day I think Warren Gatton had his family with him as well um, yes, 20, did, 20, did, 20 family did members Pivak as well I think of family members there so you know it was it was a lovely day really I mean um, I think his, his sons are watching back in back Auckland in, yeah um, well Bradley had the uh, noise complaints it's 4am oh, over right. in uh, Takapuna well you've got to be careful in Takapuna 4am I would imagine <laughs> Um, I mean, listen, I suppose the wider thing, the one thing we haven't touched about, and it's probably worth to finish off on this note, is we've talked a lot about this game because it's been criticised in many quarters, you know, in particular, you know, you know, sort of, you know, ardent regional fans are very unhappy about it because they've obviously had to go up until this point in the season, really not seeing the World Cup frontline players who've been on player welfare duty. And now that they finally do return... The back on Wales duty again. So you can understand the frustration of regional fans. I mean, we've seen today the result with the Dragons going down heavily at home. Um, the Scarlets you know, quite well beaten in Elster. You know, the Blues actually got a good win out in Benetton. But it's obviously made things difficult for the regions. Um, but I think, Matt, you mm. you put out a little video um, earlier today or yesterday of Rob Davis, the Ospreys press conference. You know, we haven't talked about them, have we? <laughs> in a, an interesting press conference. But the yes. thing that was really telling was when he was talking about what essentially is a really difficult balancing act. Because he said, I'd love to have my players available to me now, but I also want the money that comes from uh, Wales Barbarians game. Now, I, people criticise um, the union and they say, oh, they're letting the regions down, they're wrecking the regions by taking these players away. It's, you know, you can make those arguments. But under the current arrangement with the ring fencing of money to the community clubs, every single penny of profit that was made today, once all the fees are paid, every single profit goes to the regions to be, you know, via the PRB to be distributed. So it's a vital money spinner and the money spinning is for the regions. So there is this very difficult balancing act. On the one hand, you lose your players. On the other hand, you need the money. There isn't an easy solution and there won't be in years moving on because this out-of-window test is going to continue. Yeah, well, well WIU did well to get 62,000 in there, didn't they? You know, that, that's key. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, I, I've you know quite sympathetic towards the regional rugby fans I understand where they're coming from on this and their frustrations you know I've spoken to John Mulverhill on this I've spoken to Wayne Pivak on this and Rob Davis as you touched on Si they all the general perception is look it's a it's frustration Pivak says I understood I understand that frustration but as you said Si the money it brings in it is valuable and they yeah. need that and you know Rob Davis put it you know in what was a well, it was a press conference and a half yesterday, but when, you know when he said that, that he made a really good point and he made it well. You know, he said, well, "Yes, I'm furious. I want my players, but I want the money. Where do I go?" Uh, and, you, know, you know, that's a, that's a, it in a nutshell. A, really. t- a tier one autumn international match. You know, you South Africa, you New Zealand, Australia tends to bring in about two million pounds. Your ticket prices there, your average probably about fifty pounds, forty-five to fifty pounds average. Yeah. Now, obviously, today the ticket price was less. You could start at ten. I think probably the average would have been thirty odd, maybe. So it's not going to be the same high ticket value, but it would probably be a game that would have made once everything's paid in excess of one million pounds. 
and at a time when you know the regions are, you know, count every penny. That's important money, and it is difficult. On the one hand, the union gets criticised, or what the structure of Welsh rugby gets criticised for underfunding the regions. Today was a game designed to fund the regions, but the devil's in the detail. And the other side of the coin is, you know, our regions have struggled this weekend. So there ain't an easy answer, is there? Sounds like a podcast for another time. (laughs) I I don't want to go any further down this rabbit warren on a Saturday night. Quite frankly, Benjamin. No, no, indeed. Well, there we go. The Wayne, Ga- uh, the Wayne, the Wayne Pe- Gatland. The Wayne Gatland. The, that the Wayne- is going on the wall. Oh dear, that's, the, uh, that's a sign of a long day, right there. The Wayne Pivak era is here, and we're still talking about finance and Welsh rugby. Nothing ever changes, but that's it for the Welsh rugby podcast. Professional sport. <laughs> <laughs> you can catch all the latest reactions to the, the win over the Barbarians on Wales Online.